The following is a sponsored program on 100.7 FM, WHIN 1010 AM. The views, information, or opinions expressed during this program are solely those of the individuals or participants involved and do not necessarily represent those of Braden Madison Broadcasting or its employees. 100.7 FM, WHIN 1010 AM presents Sumner County Spotlight, a weekly public affairs program each Sunday morning at 10 AM. Here's your host for Sumner County Spotlight, Jeff Shannon. Well, good morning. Welcome to Summer County Spotlight as we continue with a, a brand new show right here for our 2023 season. And we've got uh, some great guests, as you know. And listen, you can hear a lot of the past shows that we've had here on whinradio.com. You can go to the podcast tab, check it out, and listen to all the shows if you'd like to. We appreciate that. This morning, I, I really had to bring in one of our good friends uh, right here in Hendersonville. We're talking about Dr. Eddie Roberson, and he's the alderman for Ward 6 right here in Hendersonville. Eddie, listen, thank Thanks so much for popping in here. I know how busy you are. Oh, I'm great to be here, Jeff. You know, a lot of people lived here for a lot of years. This radio station went on the air back in 1948. So we're celebrating our 75th air anniversary this month and all this year, actually. But there's a lot of folks that have been here right there at the beginning. Now, you've been here for how many years now? Uh, we moved here in 1989 from Chattanooga, which, where I was raised. Mm. My father was a minister, and so uh, I went to school in Chattanooga and got my uh, college degree at University of Tennessee at Chattanooga. And in 89, we moved here. I had a chance for promotion with the state. I worked with the Tennessee Public Service Commission, which regulated public utilities. Okay. So we moved here. I became a, a division director, and then from there, uh, I was promoted to the uh, executive director of the agency. And then in 2008, I was appointed to be the chairman of the Tennessee Regulatory Now, was there an office here in Hendersonville? I mean, what drew you to come to Hendersonville? Well, what draws everybody else? <laughs> That's right. The, the schools, the community, yeah. the churches, the neighborhoods, the, the public safety, the, the safety aspect. So, uh, you know, a lot of people say, why are so many people coming to Hendersonville? Really? <laughs> Because it's a wonderful place to live, and so we selected that and have been happy with it ever since. Yeah, and, and, and of course, over the years, you have seen everything since you moved here. You've seen the change. You've seen what, what's gone on here in Sumner County and how popular Sumner County has grown. Of course, Hendersonville has is, is just been taken off, I'm sure, ever since. We, we moved here in 2016, but even since then, look at the change that's happened. Well, that's true. Uh, Hendersonville is the ninth largest city in the state. It's been rated by several surveys as uh, one of the safest cities in the United States. For example, a American Safest Suburbs rated Hendersonville in, uh, in the top 50 in the nation as far wow. as public yeah. safety. So, you know, and then also the Money Magazine rated uh, Hendersonville number 16 in the best places to live in the United States. So those messages get out mm -hmm. and uh, people are coming from all over the United States to live in our town. You know, we're trying to cope with that growth. It, it doesn't come without controversy and without difficulties, but sure. we're trying to cope with it by better, better managing traffic. But it is a wonderful place to live. And I raised my two daughters here. They went to Beach High School, playing to stay here until the Lord calls me home. And did you have to travel a lot with your job? Traveling pretty much ended because I was a department head. Okay. And then as I became commissioner and, and chairman of the board, mainly what we did was we determined whether AT&T, at that time Bell South, or Nashville Gas should receive rate increases. So we heard a lot of testimony. I conducted a lot of hearings. So we didn't travel that much. I was on several national boards at the time, and mm -hmm. I travel for that. You know, once you move into Tennessee, you don't want to travel much. You want to stay home. Right. Even it's easy to get everywhere because we're kind of centralized a little bit. You know, eight hours here, eight hours there, you're you pretty much cover everything. <laughs> yeah, the, the airport is great. We have a lot of direct flight. It's just a, a great place to live and raise a family. At that time, where did you live in Hendersonville? Are you still in the same place, or have you moved a couple of times? No, we lived behind Glenbrook uh, at the time in Cross Point subdivision. Mm -hmm. And in 2011, we moved uh, where I presently live in Autumn Creek. Okay. And we've lived there since 2011 and and love it. Of course, when we moved, that was before uh, Durham Farms was, <laughs> was <gonna> say. developed. <laughs> and I used to love sitting out on my back porch, me and my wife, Kathy, and 
we could listen to bob whites we could see deer running of course we still see deer (laughs) but uh all kinds of wildlife foxes and so forth but and when we bought we knew that durham farms was going to be developed you know a lot of times our current board and mayor gets criticism for a lot of development that's going on but most of the development I would say uh, 99% of the development that's going on now in the city, as far as residential, was approved 10 to 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. So it's just now coming to fruition. And now what we're having to do is try to cope with the infrastructure demands, the traffic issues with all of that new development. And, you know, every time something new is proposed, you know, that's first thing they say, yeah. traffic and roads and infrastructure and things like that. You can't handle it. Well, I mean, there's enough planning that goes on with this stuff. And, of course, getting things done quickly, that is not a thing, especially with TDOT. You know, Jeff, that's been my biggest headache as as a city alderman is how long it takes for government to, to, to move, to build something. We've been waiting for decade, over a decade for Walton Ferry and Old Shackle Island straightening. Mm-hmm. And uh, hopefully the first of next year, they're going to let it out for bid. That's a state project, but we've contributed. But you're right. There's so much red tape. There's so many environmental surveys. There's so much that has to be done before improvements can be made. But believe me, our board and mayor is pushing constantly our staff to try to get some of these projects done because it's required because of our growth. Sure. And, you know, back in the day, I mean, Pat Campbell, bless his soul, you know, that was one of his big moot points. I mean, he had been dealing with that, gosh, for what you said, 13 years or so, yeah. you know, trying to get that that situation hammered out. And, of course, it's still there. Yeah. <laughs> so and, I'm glad you're, you're seeing some movement on and, it. And yeah. I followed Pat Campbell as chairman of the Capital Projects Committee. Mm-hmm. So now that's in my lap. And what we've been trying to do is to push the contractor and and the, the process for light synchronization. And, and that's coming. We're almost finished with phase one. Uh, and then phase two should start at the beginning of next year. And hopefully by spring, we'll have light synchronization. So when you go through an intersection, if you hit a green light with light synchronization, the odds increase that you're going to hit two or three green lights in a row and be able to, to move more smoothly absolutely right and so we're making quite an an investment in that and hopefully it'll be done by spring of next year sure and with all of this going on look you haven't aged a bit well uh yeah yeah i i I don't know about that i sure feel it early in the morning and late at night but uh but no i feel good i feel good where our city is uh do we have problems sure do we have revenue problems we sure do with inflation it's it's ripping us, but I, I feel real good at where our city is right now. And with the board that we have, we're working as a cohesive unit. Doesn't mean we don't have differences. That's that's expected and needed. Mm-hmm. You don't want to ever think of groupthink. Everybody yeah. thinks yeah, the yeah. same. But we're working more as a team. We have an excellent staff. Our COO, Jesse Eckenroth, is doing a great job. Our police and fire chiefs are doing a great job. So I sure understand why everybody's picking Tennessee as or Hendersonville is one of the best places to live. Sure. Well, and it is one of those uh, areas that when you come here, and I speak from experience, you just feel you're at home. There's just something about it. The people are friendly. In fact, I had somebody that was from out of town. They come through and said, people are actually saying hi to you. What's that about? (laughs) You know? And I hope that we don't lose our Southern charm. I'm a sixth generation Tennessean. You know, my great, great grandfather fought in the Confederacy. So my family goes way back in in the history. In fact, my my great grandfather was in the Tennessee General Assembly, the legislature that voted for women's suffrage. And he voted for women's suffrage and went home and got beat for re-election. Someone asked him uh, after he voted for women's suffrage, said, Jake, his name was Jake Simpson, said, Jake, why in the world did you allow women to vote? And he said, because I've got eight daughters at home and I had to vote that way. So, uh, you know, yeah, this is a great, I hope we don't lose our culture. I think people that are moving here uh, respect our culture and uh, it's up to us to continue that hospitality and that chivalry. Yeah, absolutely. And, and of course, business is not suffering. Now we went through the COVID thing. We'd lost a lot of small businesses, but I can tell you with the chamber and everything as Kathleen is so busy there with all these new businesses coming, like the streets of Indian Lake here, they're, they're almost at capacity once more. 
which is a great thing. We got new businesses coming in and we got something we're going to talk about the next hour. I'm sure everybody is biting at the bit to learn more about. And we're going to talk about that. But I mean, look at all of the businesses popping up at Bonita Parkway, right here down at Indian Lake and Main Street. These new things coming to town it's it's drawing people and i have to give the chamber a great deal of credit their shop by local thrive in the 37075 yes <laughs> and 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 it has been great for our businesses and we've got some great mom and pop restaurants here mm-hmm. and i i think all of us are working together to build a better henderson sure. so what's the population numbers looking like these days yeah it, it's approximately and it fluctuates about 62 yeah yeah so that's Maybe growing yeah. i mean yes. it, i've seen it yes. it'll happen and you know yeah which is going to happen. And, and that's yeah. the thing people don't understand. There's going to be growth. Yeah. You, you can't stop it. Now, we don't have tons of land mm-hmm. to expand to. I mean, there's still a lot of these big farms around, but you know, I don't know if people are holding out or, or what the deal is. Yeah, Hendersonville is running out of land. We're landlocked. Yeah, for real. And so we are running out of land. So we have to be very strategic uh, as, as a city on what's going to occupy the land that, that we have left available mm-hmm. as far as rezoning. Most of the land that is left is zoned residential yeah. at this point. And so we have to be very strategic, very careful. One, for example, we're looking at a development between the Regents Bank and Simmons Bank on Main Street. Mm-hmm. And one of the proposed tenants that wants to come there is Chick-fil-A. <laughs> So we need another chick, chicken store, on chicken restaurant right on Main Street. We'll, we'll change the name of Nashville Pike from Main Street to Chicken Row. Hot chicken. Hot chicken, <laughs> chicken. yes. Wow. See, and that's, you know, that's crazy. Well, you know, back there where the Popeyes is at one point, you, and you remember this, a Goodyear wanted to go in there. And there was a Goodyear just blocked down the street on Indian Lake. So I was glad that didn't happen. Like I say, we have to be strategic. And, you know, what kind of developments do we want in Hendersonville? And uh, I think we're doing a good job. Our planning department and Keith Free does a great job. And so, you know, I I think even brighter days are ahead for us. Oh, no, absolutely. And I was going to mention before you said that, that, you know, big shout out to Keith Free, because he he definitely has a a heavy job going on there trying to keep up all this. And uh, it's not easy to come in here if you want to bring a business in here and just pop it up. There's certain things and standards that, that, you know, you all have put in place, which helps, I guess, the the overall impact and the impression of when you come to Hendersonville. Yeah, and we want to be a a business-friendly community uh, Mm -hmm. because, uh, let's face it, businesses bring taxes to the city. They also bring jobs. Uh, They bring opportunities for our people. So we want to be a – a business-friendly community. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people, when you start talking about businesses, you know, a lot of these businesses, they think rooftops. Well, how many rooftops you got? And, and they're basing a lot of this decision where they're moving on those rooftops. Mm-hmm. You know, and there's been some uh, some pretty heavy hitters that tried to come in here, I think, at one point that, you know, the rooftops didn't match up for them, mm-hmm. which is, you know, that's, that's their model and that's going to happen, I guess. But you know, look, we, everybody that lives here, and if you're listening to us right here as we broadcast from the streets of Indian Lake, that it's a great place to live. We complain about traffic, but listen, this ain't traffic. Go to go to Atlanta, then we can talk, right? <laughs> yeah, and, and we're trying to manage that. We have a great staff of engineers, traffic engineers. Uh, Sarah Locke does a great job as our director of public works. But it's a challenge. There's yes. no doubt about it. We're going to have to invest more in infrastructure. Sure. Uh, as our residents demand more and expect more, we're going to have to come up with revenue sources to try to meet that demand. Sure, absolutely. Well, we've got a lot more to talk about. We're talking about Dr. Eddie Robertson right here, Alderman Ward 6 for the city of Hendersonville. Uh, this is Jeff Shannon. We'll be right back with more of Sumner County Spotlight. Thanks for listening to Sumner County Spotlight. Be sure to check out our podcast page at whinradio.com. Just go to the podcast tab and click the Sumner County Spotlight. There you can check out this show as well as our past episodes. This is Jeff Shannon. Hey, let's get right back to the show. And we're back with Sumner County Spotlight with your host, Jeff Shannon. We've got another Sunday morning going on here. We're going to continue our conversation with our alderman of Ward 6 right here in Hendersonville. We're talking about Dr. Eddie Robertson right here. He's been here for a few years, so he's seen some change. He's seen things happening. But you know what? Things 
come in and there's new things to talk about. And I'm sure many of you have heard of the big project that's coming to town, but I'll, I'll let Eddie talk about that. So what's new, Eddie? Oh, a, a whole lot. Costco, a lot of residents are excited about. Costco is coming. It's across from the hospital off of New Shackle. And it should be, the opening is in November of this year. Uh, and that will be a great addition to the city. Also, Puckett's Barbecue Restaurant is mm-hmm. coming in where the old Texas Roadhouse was. And uh, it's going to be a little longer because they're going to completely redo the building. And that'll be a great place for a meet and three, you know, a good family restaurant. Water Burgers coming. Half Batch Brewery is coming. With their in new the blue, building. That's going to be yeah, beautiful. In the Bluegrass Commons uh, Shopping Center. So Raising Cane is coming where the old uh, Mexican restaurant. The Rio Bravo. Rio yeah, Bravo. Right, yeah. And uh, they say that it's a great chicken place. So, uh, and and then also Floor and Decor is going to build a, a large building on Indian Lake Boulevard and hire a number of people. Okay. So, you know, there's just a whole lot going on right now that that we're real excited about and that that we believe will bring a lot of opportunities for the sure. citizens. Now, and you might not have any information on this, but what about the Music City Studios? You know, that was a thing, then it went down and some things happen. It's all about financing and partners and all of that good stuff. Is that still a thing? Is it going to happen? Or is Yeah, it- I, I think that it will. You're right. It's There have been some financing issues uh, with the interest rate so high now. And with COVID, kind of stunted it a little bit. But as far as we're hearing, there is still interest there. Okay, it's just good. timing. Right. Yeah. You know, w- when is the right time to begin that? And that should be a great addition to employment opportunities in this in the city. What we want to do is provide employment opportunities so everybody doesn't have to drive to Nashville Absolutely. and commute back and that's forth. That's right. No, Hendersonville is hiring. Right. <laughs> you know, the, the chamber came up with that, that website, and that's been a, a game changer because, you know, again, like you said, people are tired of driving downtown. Mm-hmm. They stay here and work. That's yes. we got a lot of opportunity right here. You know, we were talking with Costco, and, you know, that has just been the first thing out of people's lips these days. Now, with that, and when you're talking employment, they're going to hire a lot of people. They are, and it's projected to bring in a lot of new sales tax revenue to us. But yes, they, they have started interviewing for jobs. I don't know the exact number, but I mm-hmm. think it's over 100 yeah. jobs that they will be having. Yeah, that's a great opportunity for the city. Now, now as Costco comes, we're going to have to be very cognizant, and we're going to have to watch traffic on New Shackle Island Absolutely. Road. As chairman of the Capital Projects Committee in the city, I have been urging us to try to get in line for some state funding and support to expand New Shackle from Glenbrook all the way out to at least stop 30. Mm-hmm. So we're going to have to look at New Shackle and we're going to have to make investments there as the traffic increases. But with Costco, there are some additional lanes that are being added okay. by Costco okay, and a new traffic light on Forest Retreat. So we just have to manage. And when we see needed improvements, we just need to try to plan for those and go forward. So I had Justin Corey on the show a few weeks ago. <laughs> And, of course, he's the CEO of TriStar there. And I said, well, you know, you got the Costco going across the street. So you're in a good location because when those people come out of Costco and they realize how much money they spent, they're going to have cardiac arrest. <laughs> so they just come right across the street. They're going to be taken care of. So. Yeah. yeah. And the hospital had a groundbreaking for a new birthing center. Yes, That's going to really be nice, going to be state-of-the-art, and so we're excited about the hospital expansion as well. Only the best here in Hendersonville. Right. That's what I'm saying. Now, when we're talking roads and things like that, you know, people, first thing they say when you start talking about growth is infrastructure. What really has to happen, and and I know planning has to be there, but what do you guys have to go through when you start talking infrastructure? You know, the city in the past has used the model of getting developers as they develop a particular area to make the infrastructure improvements. I really think those days are over because we're landlocked. So the city's going to have to find money to make those improvements itself. Mm -hmm. And that's always hard to do. So the first thing you do, you do traffic studies. You listen to residents and and then you start making plans on uh, uh, how much is a project going to cost. And then you try to get funding sources for those projects. And then you go into the bidding process. So so it's a a process that's long as King Kong's arm. (laughs) It's it's not an easy process. uh, But we have started several of those projects looking at them 
one of the projects that I'm really pushing is Stop 30. Stop 30 is a main corridor between Indian Lake and New Shackle. People that don't want to get on the interstate, they come through Stop 30. And as some residents have said, it's a, it's a white knuckle drive. In oh, other words, yes. it's so narrow. Yes. So we're looking at trying to make some improvements on Stop 30. New Shackle, Sanders Ferry Road needs improvements. Mm-hmm. You know, the turn lanes there, it needs to be larger. So, you know, but to do this, we, we have to try to find revenue sources. And when we can't get grants from the state, we, we can't depend on developers anymore. We've got to come up with those funding sources ourselves. So here's the question that people might be asking themselves right now. So what are some of those sources that we can get new revenue from? How does the city do that? Basically, there's two sources of revenue that fund city budgets, and that's property taxes and sales tax. Now, sales tax recently has overtaken property tax because of the great business development in the city. Mm -hmm. So those are the main two sources. So if we have to increase revenues, I ask myself, and I've asked a lot of my constituents, would you rather see an increase in property taxes, which is funded 100% by city residents, or would you prefer a small increase in sales tax that is also contributed to by out of the city residents? That's right. All of our visitors coming. Tourist. And so those are, the I think, some of the issues that we will be facing if we have to. I hope that we don't. I hope we can find efficiencies. But, Jeff, with the inflation, with paving, increase 35%. Our garbage is expected to increase 100%. We just cannot absorb those huge increases with the existing revenues that we have in the city. Sure. Well, and I think a lot of people say, okay, we'll do the sales tax. Let all these other people pitch in. Because, you know, with all of our tournaments that come here, and Andy does a great job about bringing tournaments. Yes. He and Wade and the crew down there are exceptional. Yes. Uh, And and bringing all these folks here with the hotels and, you know, the hotel motel taxes and everything else. It's just a great generator, but I like what you're what you're saying because I think people would probably fight the property tax a lot more than they would sales tax. Well, I don't want to ever, and I've since I've been an alderman, I have not voted for a property tax increase. I don't want to do anything at the city level that would force people out of their homes. Right. You know, you have to look at the fairness aspect of it. Is a sales tax, in, in, for example, if we increased our sales tax a half a penny a dollar, that would be on a $50 ticket if you went to Texas Roadhouse or any of the restaurants in town and, and bought $50, it would increase your bill a quarter. <laughs> so that would generate... Yeah sufficient money for us to make some of these investments in infrastructure and also our first responders our fire engines and police cars are aging yes and we have to replace those one fire engine now cost a million dollars that is insane but we have to have those last year our fire department responded to 9,600 calls. And so we have an ISO rating of three out of 10. So we have to make those investments Mm -hmm. and those investments are becoming more and more expensive. And you don't want to tick off Scotty or Mickey because (laughs) they they can let you know. (laughs) Well, you know, it's interesting. 57% of our budget is to fund public safety. Which is very important. So if we have to cut our budget because of lack of revenues. It's got to come from public safety. And Mm -hmm. I don't want us to have to cut public safety. So Mm -hmm. that's why next year in our budget, we're going to have to really come to grips with the needs of this city. Well, and you talk to trash. This has always been, for years, has always been a a big topic. Mm -hmm. And and it's still going on to this day. And I think it's, like you said, it's going to get worse so what are we looking at with, with that? Well, the, the first object uh, objective that a politician should have when it's looking at revenue problems is efficiencies. So when I first became elected as an alderman, we had twice a week garbage service, backdoor mm-hmm. service. It was by far the most, the Cadillac service in the state. And so we dropped it to once a week and that saved us, that saved us, saves us over a million dollars a year wow. in, just in that. So we've been told if under our current contract, if we renew that, our provider says he would have to double the rates. So instead of paying $3 million a year for trash, we would have to pay $6 million a year. So what if they just put them by the curb then? Well, curb and, that, pickup. and we've done a survey okay. and uh, we've had 2,400 people respond to that survey. 
survey, which is phenomenal for a survey. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the questions. uh, Would you favor just having curbside service and saving the city money? And so at City Hall, we're going to have a workshop with the alderman, and we're going to get the results of the survey. And we're going to talk trash that's it. That's it. <laughs> you got to do it. Yes. And, and the lady that used to come to the meetings all the time, does she still? She likes to talk trash quite a bit. I don't know if she still comes or not. But. No, she doesn't come anymore. Okay. I know who you're talking about. Yeah. She she hasn't been in in quite a while. She was a big uh, you know recycler person. And and yeah. we're going to talk about recycling. Okay. We're, our city is going to have to move towards some form of recycling it's just what's the proper formula what's the proper strategy for moving right. forward because then you got to buy the recycling bin yeah you know do the residents pay for that does the, the company provide it i you know there's just so many things to talk about with this our our landfills are filling up yes and the yeah. state is not approving anymore Right. So we're going to have to be more efficient with our trash. So what was it, Jason, over with the the recycling place there was talking about China was no longer taking plastics at one point? I don't know. Yeah, China used to take uh, a lot of our recyclables material, Mm -hmm. but they now require, I think it's a 99% purity requirement, meaning they can't have food scraps on it. Liquids And and really what that does, a 99% purity, it's just impossible to achieve. So China's not taking it. And so, you know, recycling, while it has a redeeming environmental component, is not as economically advantageous as it used to be. Well, and of course, we always encourage folks to to go to the BOMA meetings. And they are the what first Tuesday of the month? Uh, it's the second Tuesday the, and the fourth Tuesday. Okay, the second it. and fourth Tuesday at seven o'clock at City Hall. Okay, and and that's a place to go, you know. And, and I guess you can sign up if you want to voice your concerns. You you can sign up ahead of time and mm-hmm. get your name on the list and let them know. And if you want to talk trash, they'll listen to you. <laughs> that's right. That's right. We encourage public comments and public participation. Now, they've changed uh, some of the meetings now, but now they, they've added a lot of technology back there now, so I guess they're doing it live. It, it's incredible what they've done. Yes. Uh, all of our standing committees, which is public safety, public works, general, and finance, are all live-streamed, as well as the BOMA meetings. Okay. And, and as well as the planning commission meetings are live-streamed as well. So, uh, if you want to set at home and if nothing better is on tv <laughs> then tune in on on youtube and you can watch live streamed our meetings and that's that's incredible so would they just go uh, to the, the city's website to, to initiate that yeah if you get on youtube and go to the the city of hendersonville tennessee okay. it'll have a menu there right. that you can click on right well folks you've heard it we've been talking with dr eddie robertson right here alderman for ward six right here in hendersonville and just as always, just a wealth of information. Our kudos go out to you because you're doing a great job. And I know how passionate you are ab- about this job. Well, thank you, Jeff. And uh, it's for our children and grandchildren. That's right. So, yeah. all right. Well, we're wrapping up this segment of Summer County Spotlight here with Jeff Shannon. Stick around. We got a lot more coming right here, Summer County Spotlight. Thanks for listening to Summer County Spotlight, a weekly public affairs program heard each and every Sunday right here on WHIN. Or you can listen on our podcast page at whinradio.com. If you'd like to become a sponsor of this program, reach out to me, Jeff Shannon, at jeff at whinradio.com. Well, welcome back to Summer County Spotlight with your host, Jeff Shannon. We're going to continue our Summer County Spotlight on this particular Sunday. And i got to give a little background here. I actually was at a Hendersonville Chamber function, and I heard this gentleman speak, and it just blew me away. Uh, his speech was so incredible, so much energy and so much great information and history that I said, wow, we've got to get Cal Turner Jr. on our show and talk about it. He was formerly with the Dollar General. He is retired now. He was like the head honcho down there for a bit (laughs) and he's got some history to tell so cal thanks so much for taking time to come in and talk to us Jeff, I'm honored to be here. Now, I don't talk as fast as you do. <laughs> well, that's okay. I'm, I'm from Scottsville, Kentucky originally, and and the tempo might not be quite up to yours now that I'm an octogenarian. <laughs> Is that what they call it? <laughs> well, well, I I think I sound smarter if I say an octogenarian. <laughs> Then if I say I'm 83 years old, which is the truth. No, really? Are you 83? Oh, yes. I've worked hard to get here, wow. Jeff. Now, let, let me tell you, folks, <laughs> if you ever get a chance to, to meet Cal here, you've got to shake his hand because that, my friends, is a handshake. 
you know how to do a handshake and it's right there jeff um i remember when i was quite young my father saying to me son it's time for us to shake hands now that's what men do right that's right but jeff it meant to me no more hugs and from the aunt from auntie (laughs) oh well oh from from father oh okay okay right shake you shake we passed it (laughs) you look him in the eye and i'm told today that one of the turnoffs when you're speaking to high school students is to make eye contact oh yeah what's that don't make eye contact and i thought that has to be crazy it is they might be offended so you never know well and i apologize right now to any of your listeners if i might offend you but please bear in mind i'm I'm a crusty old man who has been very blessed throughout his life and i'm more of an expert on the past honestly than i am the present well you you've got uh, some history i'm looking at the bio here that uh, avalee sent sent over now jeff that doesn't always mean something good he he has a history what some sometimes the implication of that now (laughs) well let's just say uh you've been around a while Uh, okay (laughs) let's go back let's let's go back in history to the good old days okay and and so how did dollar general kind of come to fruition how did it all come to play here well i consider dollar general to be a God-centered evolution. That company, to me, felt like a real-world ministry to struggling people. And this was back in 1939 when all this started coming about. Well, in 1939, the Turners, Luther and Cal Turner, my grandfather and my father, bought a big brick building in Scottsville, Kentucky for half price. Turners will buy anything for half price. <laughs> we got to get a deal. You know? <laughs> yes. Yeah. What do you do with the big brick building in Scottsville, Kentucky? Well, you you start a wholesale business. Well, of course. And then my dad learned after the Second World War that he had more merchandise than he could sell to conservative retailers in little towns. And they said, oh, no, Cal, we, we can't buy more of these ladies' panties you're trying to sell us until we sell the last ones we bought from you. Right. And he said, look, the market's going down. You need to average your cost down by buying more at the market price now. In other words, you need to buy some more of my panties, please. Right. (laughs) And he realized then that J.L. Turner & Son needed to open its own retail stores. We need to be directly in touch with the customer. We know the customer. We know the small-town customer, and that's because... That's who we are. We're basically country folks. So how did the name Dollar General come about? Do you hear any stories about that? (laughs) I'm sure you do. Well, well, my dad believed that when you're from the country, you need to pay attention to what the city boys do. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And he noticed that they ran dollar day sales once a month, and they'd buy a full color ad in the Tennessean or the Courier Journal from Louisville. Mm -hmm. And he knew that they were having a great sale at $1. And he decided that would make a good concept for a retail store. And he got his management team together and he said, look, I have this idea. Why don't we simplify retailing? We won't have any of those silly prices like a 98 cents. We'll we'll sell for a dollar but we will give real value for one dollar that's the best price point god ever made (laughs) one dollar it's it's what you have in your wallet yeah and it's easier to check a customer out you had one dollar two dollar three dollar four at the checkout and it was great back then we'd have credit cards Oh, no, no credit credit cards, because our profit margin was was at that time less than the credit card cost us to use or cost the customer to use. Yeah, so So. (laughs) that shot that out. Yeah. Yeah. So you actually took over the business in, in 1977, I believe. Well, let's let's see. Let me 
<laughs> Let me get this right. Uh, um, I came with the business full-time in December of 1965. I was 25 years old, and my dad was already ready for me to run the business. And he surprised me by saying, now, here you go. <laughs> Son, this company has outgrown me and my management style. I don't know the right management style for the future of mm-hmm. this company, but I believe in you. I trust you. You got a new younger vision coming into it. And I want you to take over. Now, all I'm all I'm interested in is just two things. Buying the merchandise and controlling the cost controlling expenses the rest of it you can rest of it you can do all that other nonsense you have to put up with in business (laughs) right yeah i want you to do that i think you're smarter than i am son and my dad would say that to everybody that his son was smarter than he was think about what that was for me to have to live up to wow yeah i believe any father who can affirm his son in that kind of way gives a real gift to his son i had the world's best father yeah well i mean you were talking about it before we went on that is incredible and i think more and more dads really kind of have to step up to the plate these days because it's not like it used to be it's a little different now you know i'm I'm trying to figure out the difference now. And when I came in the company and I was young and and wet behind the ears still, I had to contend with my father's generation of management. And now that I'm in my 80s, uh, I understand what they were saying back then that irritated me at the time. So, Jeff, I have to be cognizant of my ability to irritate and maybe not connect with with young folks today i want everyone out there to have the wonderful upbringing that i've had in that that little town of scottsville Mm -hmm. kentucky yeah and it i still consider scottsville kentucky to be the center of the universe (laughs) now where is scottsdale what's it located scottsville is near bowling green it's near bowling green it's not far from franklin kentucky or glasgow kentucky 25 miles from each of those pretty much and it's just 10 miles from the Tennessee line. Mm-hmm. So the company from its start was really a Kentucky-Tennessee company. You held on there for quite some time, and I guess you, you retired in 2003. Yes. So you spent a little time there up on the big desk. Yes. <laughs> well, now, now, Jeff, if I, I have never written a resume. If I had a resume to write, it would be very unimpressive. Here is someone who worked for the same company for 37 and a half years and never got a promotion. That's the problem with starting at the top. Well, that's right. (laughs) How how far can you go up? (laughs) But so I guess after you retired, you know, Dollar General was uh, a booming company. And I guess you went on the stock exchange. You had over 6,000 stores in, what, 27 states. Yeah. You had sales in excess of $6 billion. And that So was what, what would Mr. Cal career. Daddy say to that? Well, now, my father and I didn't say we're going to be this big in the future. We, we concentrated on getting things right in the present. Mm-hmm. My dad, in the old days, used to call every store manager every Saturday night until there were 33 stores. He called from the upstairs, from an upstairs bedroom in our house, Mm -hmm. and I would collect all of his doodles at the end of (laughs) his call, and the same three-letter word, he'd doodle, now. N-O-W, and he would embellish the N, and he would embellish the W, and then he'd write now again. It was obvious that he was intent on getting things right now. Mm -hmm. Do the right thing now. 
Wow, a lot of wisdom. And he wanted to talk to every store manager every Saturday night. Many years later, he was borrowing money from Sam Fleming at Third National Bank. And Sam said, now, Cal, I want you to know that I'm not loaning money to J.L. Turner and Son. I'm loaning it to Cal Turner. And I think you're working too hard. And before you come back to borrow more money, I'm going to ask you if you have cut back. Get ready, Cal. The next time you come in here, I'm going to ask you if you've cut back. So the next time Daddy came back for another loan from Sam Fleming, he said, okay, Cal, have you thought about the question? And he quoted my dad as saying, yes, Sam, I've talked to Laura, and we've decided that I can stop working on Saturday night. (laughs) (laughs) Sam Fleming loved to tell that story about my father. That's great. Hey, listen, we got a lot more to talk about. Just take a quick break. Yes. Don't go away. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We'll be right back with more of Sumner County Spotlight. Thanks for listening to Summer County Spotlight. Be sure to check out our podcast page at whinradio.com. Just go to the podcast tab and click the Summer County Spotlight. There you can check out this show as well as our past episodes. This is Jeff Shannon. Hey, let's get right back to the show. Here we go back on the Sunday morning here with Jeff Shannon, and we're going to continue our conversation with the, is it infamous or infamous <laughs> Cal Turner Jr.? <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> he is now the chairman of the Cal Turner Family Foundation. And when we talk about foundations and charitable organizations and things, you, yes, you have been involved with a lot. You've helped a lot of folks over the years. I mean, it's incredible. I, I'm, I, it would take me 15 minutes just to read all this. <laughs> well, thank, thank you, Jeff. I am the most blessed person of all. I have met many persons throughout my lifetime, and none do I consider to be equally blessed to have grown up in a small town mm-hmm. where family was the center of values and upbringing, and yet the whole community helped to raise the young people. My dad used to say, in, in a little town, you have to be nice because everybody knows what's going on. You, you can't keep any secrets in a little town. No, and that's, that's a good right. place to grow up. Sure, absolutely. <laughs> And, you know, you go back to the Mayberry days and, you know, those are great shows back there. I love Lucy and all those those great shows. We don't have those these days. You know what I mean? Well, now we sound like old codgers right now. Here we go. (laughs) I always do this to my kids. Back in my day. (laughs) (laughs) But you are, this is a great story. And let's talk about the new YMCA. Oh, that was that. We dedicated the Y, dedicated a state-of-the-art Y in Brentwood, Tennessee. And it is named the Margaret Burnett Turner Y. Wow. (laughs) And I, I enjoyed being there. We had a lot of Turner family there. And we had a lot of Burnett family there, too. So it was a joyful day. The opportunity to pay back those who are important to you is the opportunity of philanthropy. Philanthropy means love of your fellow man. And if you have that love for your fellow man, you have a fuller life. Mm -hmm. And struggling people who are the bread and butter of Dollar General are the genius of that company. And largely, do I consider women to be good retailers, Jeff? Mm -hmm. Women understand value in the marketplace. Mm -hmm. Women understand how to connect with another person better than men do. We males are more interested in being macho and competitive. Yeah. Well, women are more interested in connecting. They have a different. Th- yeah, it's it. It really is true, and you'll find a lot of, of great entrepreneurs, uh, women entrepreneurs, that are just amazing. 
look out mm-hmm. look out mm-hmm. yes <laughs> they're good you have all this involvement at one point in through these these many years in fact let's uh, we're going to dial our time machine back here i got a flux capacitor here it'll take us back to 1988 <laughs> and let's see what happened here in 1988 yep just as i thought you accepted a presidential award for private sector initiatives from the one and only ronald reagan not here but at the actual white house in the rose garden you got to tell yes. that story oh. that, that's amazing oh 1988 was an incredible year in the history of the Turner family and Dollar General. 1988 happened also to be the year of my mother's death. But I knew the award was coming, and I told my mother before her death that I was going to receive an award for the company in the Rose Garden from the president. And it brought a twinkle to her eye. And when I was in the Rose Garden waiting for my time to receive that award from President Ronald Reagan, I felt the love and presence and joy of my mother. And I was so excited that that I made eye contact with Ronald Reagan, who wasn't close to me. I was in line as one of the recipients. But he, he did notice this this strange character over there. I was just excited for a Turner, for a Turner historic to be in the Rose Garden to accept an award. Yes, you better believe I looked him in the eye the way my dad told me. That connection I had with Ronald Reagan is a joy to me. Yeah. Well, it's got to be a a memorable thing in your life. Very memorable. Because you've had so many. And I will tell you this, that it's been said that you, you leave this world and hopefully you made an impact on somebody and you sir i can i can tell you just because of your energy and what you emote from yourself and the positivity you definitely make an impression on everyone that you meet and you're doing a great thing for society well thank you thank you jeff i am very very blessed and i hope to share that with as many other persons as possible by the way i don't use the word people i use the word persons because everyone is unique god made each one of us one of a kind and if you can help some other person to be a little bit more excited about who he or she is and interested in exploring what god had in in mind when he made the unique person that I am, then you give a future legacy to that person. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a joy to make that connection. I've been in Manhattan on an elevator, crowded people, everybody looking disinterested and everybody else. And this young woman got on with her with her lunch. In a, in a brown paper sack and she was next to me and I said what are you having for lunch and <laughs> I see it coming <laughs> and, and and she said oh she opened it and, and we we were going we were going to spend about a full minute on that elevator and everybody else in the elevator was bored with what she and I were carrying on about the lunch that she was having and we had a great conversation. Yeah. Now, isn't it wonderful, the opportunity right. to make that connection with another person that you'll never see again? Exactly. But to be able to give a gift somehow of saying to that other person, you're special to me. Right. So when you were saying that, I was thinking my daughter, we just put her in Austin P. put her in. I guess she's attending Austin P. <laughs> like it's a torture. She would probably react to your saying it that yeah. way, wouldn't you she? You put me in there. But anyway, she made a comment to me the other day. She's walking down the halls of her dorm, we're bringing stuff in, and she goes, people... They just look straight ahead. They don't even smile. They, oh. th- th- it's like the no eye contact. It's like, but people, you know, come to Tennessee. And one of the things you've probably heard this as well, because it's it's a thing, coming from California, from New York, all these places are moving to this great state, and they say, what are people saying hi to us for? That people are just, you know, waving yes. and hey, how you yes. doing? You know, that's yes. what happens here. 
Yes. And yet, one compliment that I received in the company I cherish from some person who uh, I really hadn't met, but at the end of a training meeting, he announced to everyone that he had been with Dollar General for 13 years. And he said, let me tell you why I've been here for 13 years. He said, that man, and he pointed to me at felt a little impersonal. That man came into the trailer I was unloading on the dock in the hot summertime. He came into the trailer and he asked me how I was, but wait, he listened for the answer. Interesting. He He wanted to hear my answer. And that's why I am still here and plan to stay with this company. Well, that's a great story, man. Think about how many people say, how are you? And uh, don't pay any attention. We had a banker in Scottsville once who thought he was good with farmers. And he went through the bank lobby and this farmer was sitting there. And he said, uh, hi, Jim, how are you? He said, not so good, Mr. Gillum. My wife died last week. He said, that's good. That's good. He kept walking. <laughs> <laughs> Don't, oh, don't, don't ask how somebody is unless you mean it. That's right. The way you ask it tells them whether you're interested in them or not. Yeah, no, that's true. Don't just say, hi, how are you? How are you? <laughs> and don't care about the answer. No. Hey, so tell us about this Cal Turner Family Foundation. That foundation is in existence to help struggling people have a better life. It brings our family together to talk about values, to talk about what's really important in life. I do have concern about whether we're passing values on to future generations. And we have found that a good way to do that is in philanthropy. Bring, come together as a family and talk about differences you can make Mm -hmm. with your philanthropy. And what do they want to do? I've learned that my grandsons are interested in mental illness causes. It's a big thing these days. And they they were, I think, primarily interested in teenage suicide. What that has a lot of ramifications of their different causes. There are so many not-for-profits that do good work where you could you could help someone. I was once asked by someone, Mr. Turner, what do you want your legacy to be? I didn't like the presumption behind that question your legacy. I immediately said, I don't want one. I'm too selfish. And they went, what? Said, he said, too selfish. I said, look, if, if I had a legacy, if I created a legacy, it would be about me and it wouldn't last very long. While I'm here on earth, I want to be able to discern where God is on the move that I should get on board. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and if I can figure that out, I am blessed deeply. Well, you did a good job there because that was, that was a great close. You can't even get any better than that. <laughs> I will tell well, you that. Well, thank you. I, I have people to tell me that they remember what I said way back when. And I think, oh, my gosh, I don't remember that. <laughs> I don't remember what I said yesterday. <laughs> yeah, well, and, and you don't have to have a good memory if, if, you, if you call it as you see it, That's as right. you go. That's right. Listen, Cal, thank you so much for coming down here and spending some time with us. I, I, I literally can sit with you all day. Jeff, I, mean, I good with you for well, sure. I pre- <laughs> well, I appreciate that. Hey, we're talking about Cal Turner Jr. He's the chairman of the Cal Turner Family Foundation. If you search for that on on the Google somewhere, it's going to pop up. You're going to see the information on there. And I hope you, you do so and find out some more information of that. So we appreciate uh, Cal from coming in here. So, hey, well, that's going to wrap it up for another edition of Sumner County Spotlight. Join us again next week at 10 o'clock. We also have it on our podcast page at whinradio.com. Look under podcast and you'll see this as well as many other episodes. So thanks again for joining us right here on Sumner County Spotlight. Sumner County Spotlight will return next Sunday morning at 10 a.m. Thanks for listening.